the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Before I introduce Representative David Schweikert, just a little audio from the 1976 presidential debates. Mr. President, you said that the Humphrey-Hawkins bill will cost a possible $60 billion. But isn't it true that the jobs provided by the bill will create up to $150 billion in increased production? Using Walter Heller's figure that for every 1% unemployed, there is a resulting $37 billion loss in GNP. Now, at the present rate of taxation of, on GNP of 39%, doesn't this come to about the same $60 billion in increased revenue? It was my understanding that there would be no math. And with that, I bring us David Schweiker, <laughs> representing Arizona's first congressional... Uh, that wasn't Gerald Ford, by the way. That was Chevy Chase playing Gerald Ford, if you... <laughs> yeah, and i, I got to thank you for sending me that clip. I have sent it out to about 50 or 60 members of Congress. You've got to understand, there's a whole cadre of my friends. I mean, these are people I like yeah. who get upset with me for all my presentations on what was happening demographically and therefore the debt and yeah. this and that. Yeah. And um, for everyone listening, um, what Seth is talking about is a couple hours ago, Congressional Budget Office did their annual February update. Yeah. And um, the numbers I did on the floor last week, um, I, I'd love to take credit for it, but it's the guys that work for me. Um, you know, the, I mean, two of them have PhDs in economics, so they're pretty good at math. And we nailed the numbers, and it turns out the Congressional Budget Office came out and was even more dour, yeah. more negative yeah. on the ten-year numbers than we were presenting last week. Um, did you see? Did you see? They expect to double, double publicly held debt over the next ten years. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, at the end of the ten years, all the trust funds are empty. Right. Right. I saw that. And then I saw what we've done with our national debt, which has risen eight trillion dollars since January of 2020. That's we did in two years what it took eight years of Barack Obama's administration to do. Yes, but we'll be in the mid mid 40, mid high 40 trillion plus debt in nine budget years. It's really uh, or sooner, maybe. I mean, I don't know. In like four years. We actually passed the entire debt-to-GDP we had during the World War II. So I, we will break into new ground. We will now be a peacetime economy with more debt um, as the size of the economy. So it's, it's just— um, What happens when debt hits—when when the lines cross, David? What happens? You don't know. That's, yeah, that's the problem. The problem. It, it's subject to the willingness— of you to take part of your pension mm-hmm. or your savings and buy you a, so- uh, you a sovereign bond. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing you see in the CBO numbers is they do expect the next few years mm-hmm. um, for government to have to pay much higher interest rates. But then they played this game where, well, in year five, six, seven, eight, it will fall back down to two. 
Um, I don't see that happening. Uh, there's lots of data out there that says unless the markets actually believe the United States is taking their debt seriously, they're going to start expecting a premium for the risk. That's why these folks are screaming about the debt ceiling. Oh, just give in. Just give them anything they want. There's models out there that say if we just did raise the debt ceiling without any demonstration that we're going to do some fiscal discipline, we'll actually end up paying higher interest rates because the markets will realize we have no serious policy of dealing with long-term sovereign debt. And so by just giving in, you may make things much worse. You have to demonstrate to the world market. And remember, the vast majority of U.S. debt is bought by Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to communicate to those buyers of that debt that we're, we're going to pay you back. And here's, how our, here's our long-term plan of how we're going to do it. There, you know, I have so much to say and mention to you. Uh, let me start here. Don't give up. You know, great teachers can give the same lecture again and again and again with slight variations and make it sound new and interesting each time. Point one. Point two. Sometimes you have repetition is is the essence of education. Your message is getting through, David. I was speaking with someone earlier on the show. Taking, I mean, verbatim something you could have said when he was talking about our economic situation and saying, but of course you understand there's less than a third that we actually have discretion with. I mean, your message is breaking through. Look, um, what breaks my heart is so much of the public. And and look, I'm blessed to represent one of the best educated districts in America. So we have lots of freaky smart people in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Um. But look at last week's floor speech. There's, what, almost 400,000 people have watched it. On incredible, speech. yeah. About half the comments, people get it. Um, but the other half the comments, it's pretend. Oh, Bernie Sanders said if we just raise this tax, right. we'll be fine. Right. And you, you want to sit there and say, you didn't actually watch the video. I actually showed, like on Social Security. So you tax yeah. every dime with a 12.4% and give them nothing, it only covers about 31% of the shortfall. Yeah. And people don't, these are huge numbers, they're complex, but if I get one more person saying, well, just don't give money for foreign aid. Right. Okay, you know, that's two weeks of borrowing. Right, right. And they just stare at you like, well, that can't be. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Are there things that can be done on things that we th- on 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 funded programs that we think of as non discretionary, are there are there eligibility things we can sure, work with sure. with regard to the states, and, and or is got, that still nibbling every, on the edges? Oh no, it's absolutely it's it's nibbling on the crumbs. Okay, um, we did now doesn't mean you don't do it. Yeah, please understand waste and fraud and getting rid of programs that are are no longer effective or growing the economy every time you spend must have a return of growing the economy or being moral. But um, I'm thinking like with Medicaid and eligible workers and what we kind of did through over the last few years, but maybe again, we're still talking crumbs. It's, but it's, but uh, enough crumbs, you get a a loaf of, or you get a loaf of bread. Okay. Um, You still have to do it. But the thing that was most shocking and we're, we're remodeling the numbers right now because the floor presentation we did last week, which took us 10 days of, of work with our economists, we showed that in 10 budget years, 
So that so our number was twenty thirty four. And I'm for everyone listening, I'm sorry for all the math, but the punchline here is worth it. If you got rid of all the military, matter of fact, you got rid of all government, all discretionary spending. So no FBI, no Park Service, no you know passport office, no State Department. You know, get Congress is gone, White House is gone, the courts are gone, everything's gone. All you pay is Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, you know, the, the entitlement. You still had to borrow $300 billion. Mm-hmm. All government's gone. Mm-hmm. So the person who keeps, you know, texting me, David, all you have to do is just get rid of this problem. Don't send money to Ukraine. That balances the budget. Yeah. They have no concept of scale. And you also saw the update for the current budget year. Yeah. I mean, they've added, uh, what, another four or $500 billion of borrowing in this year. Yeah. So the president absolutely lied during his State of the Union speech. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know that. I mean, we did talk, but we didn't focus uh, much on it. The State of the Union speech. Did you get the sense that this is an administration that is that that is just careless about the debt in the deficit that they they just don't no. care? Okay. No, no, no. I, I think this administration is already in campaign mode. Okay, that's the what whole it is. thing about Medicare and Social Security. Um. You do understand the immoral act they engaged in. Mm-hmm. There's been a working group, um, and I can't take all the credit for it. It's a, it's a number of senators. I just, up until a couple of weeks ago, I was the senior Republican over Social Security. We spent a year, we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with actuaries and smart people and these things, building a plan where it works. You, you, you don't really have to raise taxes. Um, it's complex. We had Republicans and Democrats and the president walks up on the platform for the state of the union and the (laughs) white house we've worked with basically just blew it up. They cared more about winning the election than saving. And because now it's less, it's less than 10 years, nine, some nine years plus, um, the actuary fund, uh, the trust fund of social security is gone. You double senior poverty. They cared more about kicking off their political election for another presidential run than doing the moral act. Do you um, – I have to take a break. Do you have to run or do you got another segment? No, no, I'm okay. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you. Thank you for that. I'd love to talk to you about a couple other things. Um, this bill uh, your fellow congressman Drew Ferguson is, uh, is doing that you're uh, behind on the IRS. I'd love to talk a little bit about that too if we can. I'm Seth Leapson. He's David Schweikert, and he and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Delighted to have Representative David Schweikert with us as we do every Wednesday representing Arizona's first congressional district from uh, where we broadcast. Um, David, we can go back to the numbers and the debt problems in a moment if you uh, if you would like. I wanted to just get your take. I don't think most people know about this, and they should. Uh, your, um, your, your friend, I think, Congressman Drew Ferguson, uh, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, right? He has been uh, focusing on the Biden administration working to inflate the unchecked powers of the IRS with a broad financial su- surveillance regime. And uh, you guys are trying to do something about it here with uh, something called the IRS Financial Surveillance Act. Yeah, it, it's just you all remember where every transaction, $600 or more, you're going to have to file paperwork mm-hmm. um, or the bank or credit union. There's just lots of this stuff that um, is incredibly intrusive. The model doesn't really demonstrate that it's going to change tax compliance. 
it's almost like building huge data sets about you, your family, your business at a, at a, at a whole lot of cost to, in the future, be able to now say, well, okay, we're going to change the tax regime and look at all this information we have. We now know how to clamp down on you. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've had testimony on this saying, well, yeah, it would be interesting data to have, but it's not useful unless you change the tax regime where you can start to you know, confiscate bank accounts or go at this or go at that. Um, and there's much more to this. We also need to understand the leakage that's happening at the IRS. Um, the number of people's 1099s, um, personal tax returns that are ending up in the press. And it's really hard to have, technically we have a voluntary tax system with the promise of privacy. You know, and if the Democrats want to just blow that up, saying, okay, it's not a private system, fine, go do that, pass it, get this president to sign it, let the American people know that's your intention. But we need to understand what, why the IRS is, A, leaking so much data, and why the Democrats, who already have passed parts of this legislation in the previous couple of years when they had control, are going to require so much surveillance data on your financial transactions. You know, you must read with some level of a skeptical eye that um, you're on my paper, the Arizona Republic. It seems like every columnist is telling us on a related note, every columnist, every opportunity they have is telling us on a related note that Republican concerns and fears about expanding the IRS and hiring 86,000 new IRS agents, we shouldn't worry about that. There's nothing to worry about here. We're stoking fears. It's, it's, it's weird how they seem to all say the same thing, but i got to tell you, I, I, I'm trusting you. I'm not trusting them on this. Well, I think this uh, is something to be concerned yeah, about. Yeah, I think, I think they're being a bit intellectually vacuous. Yeah. Um, if the argument was we need better tax compliance, you don't actually do that with an army of auditors that you're never going to be able to hire. Right. I mean, do you really think there's 80-some thousand folks with an appropriate accounting background out there for you to hire? <laughs> now, remember, IRS is like the second largest unionized workforce in government. I think the VA may be the Oh, that's most what that's about. And they give like 99% of all their political oh. contributions to Democrats. So there, there's more to it. The tra- it's the Treasury Workers Union. But there's models, and, and we've worked on this, saying if you really want to get tax cheats, if you really want to find those super wealthy people that are cheating, you can do it through data. You know, you have lots of data you can buy out there that says, here's their consumption. You know, I mean, the fact of the matter is every time you use your debit card, your credit card, your you know, this and that, there, there's de- data files. Um, that are public, uh, publicly available, you just got to pay for them. And you can set them up in a way where government doesn't get to own that information, but they get to do a bounce off, saying, this person's telling me they made this much money. Is that within the realm of your data set? Don't give us personal information. And you could do it without hiring armies of people. You could use technology. But they want the army of unionized workers. That's what it is. Yeah. Now it becomes all the more clear. What do we need to take away from what the CBO reported? What is the takeaway, David? What do you want everyone to walk away understanding? Um, It's time to stop pretending. I know these numbers are hard. 
There's lots of zeros. They're uncomfortable. Actually, they should be terrifying. Um, so I was teasing with you. If you really understand math and you read this, if you don't have a pit in the t- bottom of your tummy that's that's almost burning through your, your stomach lining, you don't understand how bad this is. Yeah. Um, and all the solutions are ugly. You know, we can inflate our way out of it and just wipe out any value of any of your savings, and you make the poor dramatically poorer. Um, you can tax at, at a level that basically cripples the economy, and we become just anemic for decades. Um, you can slash programs, but that almost in some ways has the same. Or you can sort of go the route I've been talking about on your show for years now, you need a revolution in the cost. Um, when you see that 10-year number, you know, when 10 years from now, the baseline borrowing will be $2.7 trillion a year. And that's even with CBO's optimistic that interest rates will fall in a few years and be fairly low. So the base borrowing every year will be 2.7, and it gets worse than every year following. Half that is interest, and half that is functioning Medicare. Have a revolution in the cost of delivering health care. Legalize technology. Um, go do whatever's next for diabetes. Go after things that are the cost drivers. You're not going to get there by cutting programs. The public earned these benefits. We owe them. It's, it's our societal deal. So in that case, go after the costs. And by doing that, you'll also start to dramatically change the cost of the borrowing. So you get it on both sides of the ledger. Well, we got to, um, we got to take you seriously. We've got to take this seriously. I was having fun with you at the beginning, taking us back to that 1976 Saturday night live skip. And they were talking about the Humphrey Hawkins act. And I was yep. just looking 1976, our budget deficit, $66 billion. Sixty-six yeah, but, billion dollars and, now. And Add inflation, you an and you're nowhere close. Still nowhere. Yeah, close. and we have days now where we borrow, yeah. you know, three, four billion dollars a day. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we have months um, that did the years. Yeah, exactly. Look, right. I, and, and if you have listeners, I don't care if you're on the moderate to conservative side. This type of borrowing, this type of debt, is what will destroy a republic. Yep. And it, it, it's not Republican or Democrat. Most of it's driven by our demographic. And we need to get the numbers in our head. Folks, by the way, I should say he has a very active Twitter account. You can get excerpts of his uh, very popular floor speeches as well. At Rep. David. At Rep. David. David Schweikert, Godspeed. Thank you, sir. You're very kind. Talk to you soon. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. In his State of the Union speech, President Biden doubled down on his spending plans, adding even more to the federal deficit. And that doesn't bode well for the value of your money. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth much less, which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. To look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold with the only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka, I and thousands of you already know, the Midas Gold Group. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the destruction of inflation and the ruin of a recession. 
Don't let Biden's misguided economy take your money. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com or better yet. Call them at 480-360-3000. You know, with these overflights that have been shot down, I was paying attention to a couple of... uh, Well, it was interesting to me. Adam Carolla was talking on a show the other day about how, um, you know, the whole UFO thing was really big in the 70s. And then as we learned more and more about it, less and less interest uh, seemed to uh, abide here. Um, I'm not sure he's totally right. The amount of searches that would return, you would get returned if you searched UFO over the last three weeks uh, would probably be double what has been in the last three years. But there was a uh, documentary I was watching on one of these uh, media platforms last night a little bit. And uh, and it just got me to thinking about something. And when Scott Johnson over at Powerline put this up today, I couldn't help but share it with you. It's called Take Me to Your Leader. Remember that phrase? Scott writes, we dread the moment when those responsible for the unidentified flying objects shot ask to be taken to our leader. First, someone needs to wake up the president. Then someone needs to check his alertness. Is he having a good day? Next, someone needs to clue him in and bring him up to date. The first question at yesterday's White House briefing noted that the most recent objects shot down are deemed benign. Did they come in peace? like in the movie? Unfortunately, that question wasn't asked. The reporter, reporter Josh Boak from the AP, um, noted that we can't find the pieces of the recent objects shot down. Sure enough, I have the transcript in front of me. Here's the question to Jean-Pierre. The one is the perpetual hot item as of late. The U.S. shot down three objects from the sky that are now deemed to be benign. But Louisiana Senator John Kennedy says they can't find the pieces. Should the U.S. have waited before shooting? And what are the protocols going forward? Ready for her answer? Here we go. Quoting directly from the transcript. So I'm going to take your last question first. As you know, the president has asked Jake Sullivan to to oversee a stand, an interagency team that that is, that was stand, that was created so that we can figure out that the B— protocols on how to move forward when, when, and if this occurs again. And so I believe my colleague from the National Security Council, the Admiral, Admiral, spoke to this moments ago at 10 o'clock during his gaggle and talked about how we'll have, we'll have more protocols to share later, later this week. So there is, again, an interagency team that's going to look at this process, look at how we track, look how we decide to take action and see if there's anything else that needs to be done. So there will be updated protocols if you will, by the end of this week. So that's the question. The first one, look, you know, and again, I, you've heard from Secretary Austin on this. You've heard from DOD on this. You've heard from my National Security Council colleagues. Again, as you all know, the the objects that were shot down were in the civilian airspace, kind of flying low at low elevation, and so it was shot down. They were shot down because of they were taking an abundance of caution. We wanted to make sure Americans were safe. We wanted to make sure that the civilian aircraft flying above in, the, in our airspace were safe, and that's why they were taken down, the three objects. As you all know, they are now being recovered. The weather conditions have 
prevented for for the Pentagon to go out there and get those objects, but we're going to continue to try. We're going to continue to be vigilant on getting these, getting the debris. But in the meantime, as you just mentioned, the the benign statement, the Intelligence Committee did say that they are considering or looking at this, at this to be potentially benign. She could be speaking Martian. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a privilege and honor to welcome back to the show one of the strongest members of the Republican Conference in our House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., representing Arizona's 8th Congressional District, Representative Debbie Lesko. Debbie, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great, Seth. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. It was a delight to see the honor, um, I think it's a big honor, that you were given by Kevin McCarthy uh, putting you on the House Select sub- Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic to kind of, you know, investigate that which has yet to be really investigated. Um, tell us a little bit about this. This was a, this is a big deal. I'm glad you're on it. I'm glad he did that. that. I think it is a big honor. Well, thank you very much. Um, basically, this committee is going to investigate uh, everything and anything that has to do with COVID. Good. So that includes the origins of COVID. That includes what was the analysis and research that was done to constitute why mandates, uh, vaccine mandates were put on. Why were schools closed down? What was the effects of that? How much COVID funding uh, was used? And why was it so open to abuse? Um, and so it's it you know we're just getting started. We we sent some letters on this last Monday um, to uh, Dr. Fauci, to the president of EcoHealth Alliance, to the director of the National Intelligence, to the Health and Human Services Secretary, and uh, Dr. Francis Collins, who's the acting science advisor to the president, asking them to um, give us all communications, all emails, all documents uh, related to COVID, uh, the origins of COVID, related to EcoHealth and the grants that the U.S. uh, gave to EcoHealth and what they were used for in the Wuhan lab in China. And so we're off to a good start. Oh, I would say so. This is great. This is we are now going to have the conversation that people have wanted too many people have wanted to have for two, two and a half years now. And uh, for the first two years, they were censored from even having. So you guys are doing it with the power of a uh, of a select subcommittee. You can subpoena. You can even issue all kinds of you can issue not only subpoenas, but you, people have to be sworn in and testify and they can be, you know, held to account if they mislead. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Finally, after um, this time under four years of Nancy Pelosi's control, yeah. uh, we finally have the Republican majority back in the U.S. House. So that means the chairman of the committees are Republican. Yeah. And so we do have subpoena power. Good. And so if if these different agencies refuse to talk to us, as they have in the past, uh, we can uh, subpoena them. Good. And then, you know, it will it probably takes some time, but we have to get to the bottom of this for the American people. We have to determine, you know, I was I'm also in addition to being on the select subcommittee to investigate uh, the 
COVID-19. I'm also on the Energy and Commerce Committee, and that has jurisdiction over all health care. So it has jurisdiction over the CDC, the FDA, the National Institute of Health, all of them, right? Right. And so this last week, I asked the acting director of the National Institute of Health about the funding that NIH uh, gave to EcoHealth Alliance, mm-hmm. which then gave a subgrant to the Wuhan lab, and he claimed that no U.S. money was used mm-hmm. for any research having anything to do with coronavirus. So um, that is in uh, conflict with what some of the other people have said. And so we really need to get to the bottom of this. Good. I am so glad you're doing it. By the way, question. I noticed some of this went on with the oversight and judiciary committees that were being held last week by Comer and uh, Jordan. Are you on your uh, select subcommittee seeing Democrats saying, oh, this is a waste of time. There is no reason to be hashing through this. It's in the past. They just want to kind of put a quietus on this and move on. Are you seeing some of the same stuff here in, in, in your committee work, Debbie, Congressman? Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's a number of Democrats on on um, our committees that think that we're just trying to politicize things. Yeah. The, the problem is, is we're doing the opposite, in my opinion. We're actually trying to come get to the truth. And uh, I have had a constituent and others come to my office Um, saying that they have had severe uh, adverse reactions to the vaccine and that they were silenced. They were, you know, kicked off of social media. Um, You know, scientists were kicked off of social media. Mm -hmm. There was no, there was the the government uh, working with social media didn't allow any opposing viewpoints. And that's what really, uh, creates a red flag to people, right? Especially when you combine that with mandating that people get the vaccination. When the government starts mandating things and then silencing different opinions, that's when, you know, there's a huge concern, and rightly so. And um, I hope that we can get to the bottom of this. And so that the neck, but, you know, because this will continue, yep. you know, now they have what is it, the monkey pox. Yeah, well, that's, exactly, they, you, yeah, you know, that's the point. You, you know. just made a very keen point. If there is not accountability and exposure on this, there's no reason they won't do it again and try and do it again. That's exactly right. right. Yeah, right. And so we have to be prepared. Um, the American people, uh, including myself, have lost confidence in the CDC. Um, and in some of our other government agencies, and we need to rebuild that confidence because if people don't have confidence, and and it, it you know, we're we're in bad shape when when the next pandemic comes upon. Yeah, especially with things called public health. You know, public right. health. Uh, this was abbreviated, Debbie. Uh, so, and that's that's my fault. Um, but you know, you're doing such interesting work. I want to talk to you about your uh, Women's Bill of Rights and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I can get you on again next week, and we can have a more extended uh, visit if that would work out for you. I'll work it out with your folks. I'd love to have you on with some of the other legislation you're pushing through as I, well. 
I I would love it. Yeah, I have border security, yep. women, um, bill of rights, yep. all kinds IP of IP theft uh, in China. Yeah, no, you are on yeah. the you are the tip of our spear. This would be great. I'll work I'll work it out with Daniel, and uh, we'll get you on for an extended uh, visit next week. But I couldn't let this week go without uh, without profiling and highlighting uh, this great uh, committee subcommittee you were put on. And uh, I'm so ex- I'm so looking forward to it. So Debbie Lesko, bless you. Godspeed and thank you. Thank you. You betcha. We'll talk soon, hopefully next week, and we'll visit all of that stuff you're doing on IP theft from China and the Women's Bill of Rights. Um, Really just great, hard, hard, diligent worker. All right. I am Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. A lot of you have been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now, and if you still have questions about what investing with them can mean or do for you, they highly encourage you to give them a call. They'd love to put you in touch with any number of their many satisfied customers living in the Phoenix area who have invested with them and are doing great with them. 888-YREFI-34 is their number, 888-YREFY-34. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Do you know you can invest with YREFI through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn investyrefi.com. Investyrefi.com. I was having fun uh, with uh, my friend uh, Hugh Holman uh, over the weekend. Uh, we were on the way to a run we were doing on Saturday. We both uh, thought it would be interesting to hear what they're doing on NPR. And uh, my gosh, I mean, it was. They had the gift of being themselves, just so true to type. Um, the first, the first segment on in within a half hour had to do with uh, had to do with racism in the NFL. The second had to do with uh, transgender problems in Utah, and the third one had to do with something in between those two. I just don't remember. Uh, National uh, Public Radio, your tax dollars at work. Today, they put out a story more than half of Republicans support Christian nationalism, according to a news survey. And they go into what a danger that is to the republic that, heaven forfend, half of Republicans uh, think that uh, our country was based on Christian values. And I just wonder what NPR would say about a quote like this. Why statesmen as our founders were, they knew the tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants, and so they established great self-evident truths that when in the distant future some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their posterity might look up again to the Declaration of Independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers begin so that truth and justice and mercy and humane Christian virtues might not be extinguished. They'd have to censor Lincoln. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.